Hey, I know you want to win a fantasy championship. Good news. We actually have consultants that will run your team for you and get you to the finish line. Patrick Murphy and his team guarantee you a playoff spot. So go to playerprofiler.com slash advice and we'll take it from there. This is the Decision Point with Anand and Dury. Anand, we're chilling out. We got our hats on. I got the defunct Mikey Knife Fight hat. Uh, you got an Ohio State training camp hat on. You're about to go to the uh, FF Expo in Canton. Meet all of our good friends in the fantasy football industry. Today, we talk more about team structure, real NFL, with, with, with some fantasy implications. And today, covering the NFC East. It seems straightforward at first glance, but maybe not so much. I think when you look at the NFC East, right? And I'm sure we'll get into discussions with people in Canton. So shouts to all my people going. But it looks straightforward. And we do this every year. There's a division where there's a team that came out of the pack and established themselves as a dominant team. We watched the Titans do this a couple of years back in the AFC. And then everybody starts pouring mm-hmm. everything into this is a super team. They're going to be a dynasty. There's, you know, and we think that the Eagles are really, really good. But writing off the Cowboys and the Giants for no reason seems foolish. Like these are not bad teams. Going into last year, we thought they might be. We kind of thought that this division might be the Eagles and the Cowboys and that the Giants and Commanders would be yikes. But, uh, I was talking to my buddy Tej the other day, and you know we were discussing last year's Giants. It felt like Dable was playing, you know, playing poker with Uno cards. I, I mean, he had Daniel Jones and Saquon, and not a lot else. The the, the wide receivers out there were bad. We're we're going to get into the Commanders' ownership sale. There's finally, finally hope there. Thank fucking God, Dan Snyder's gone. And then you've got the Eagles and the Cowboys who are firmly in that can win the NFC bubble. This division is not what these win totals would suggest it is at all. And we found that out last year. They were all close to the pack except for the Eagles. This this division produced three playoff teams last year. And all three of those teams got better, as did the Commanders. This is going to be a knife fight all the way to the end. It's going to be a war of attrition. Eagles, Cowboys, and yes, the Giants may have something to say about that too. I think the Commanders are probably going to be a thorn in the side of a lot of these teams and a lot of playoff teams because they play a very unique brand of football that you just don't see super often. But this is not the redheaded stepchild division anymore. And I, I got to tell you, it, it seems easy to just sit here and say, oh, the Eagles are going to run away with it. I don't think they will. Well, uh, the NFC East odds on uh, BetMGM. BetMGM is our preferred betting platform. BetMGM, the promo code is Underworld. The promo code is Underworld on BetMGM. You get $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win on BetMGM, promo code Underworld. Seven and a half to one for the Giants to win the NFC East. The Eagles are minus 110. The Cowboys are plus 170. And the Commanders are 10 to 1. So the, what you're saying here is that the best value is Giants to win the NFC East. So let's start with the Giants. I love what they're doing. 
My favorite thing about what the Giants do in the last three or four years, everyone that watches this show knows exactly what I'm about to say. They don't, you know, you, you could telegraph this from space. You know what I'm about to say. You know exactly what I'm going to say. One of their first two picks in the NFL draft was used on what general position? Offensive line. Offensive line. One of my favorite picks in the second round, John Michael Schmitz. You get a center named John Michael Schmitz from Minnesota or Wisconsin or Iowa, Nebraska, named John Michael Schmitz, a corn-fed 300-pound center. That guy is a great investment, right? It seems like every one of those guys works out. And I don't know if it's a name thing. Yeah. I don't know if it's a school thing. I don't know if it's a you're a center thing or a you're a guard thing. But those guys all seem to work out. And that's not analytics by any means. But sometimes you just know. <laughs> and, and with yeah, Tyler yeah. Lindenbaum, that's his best yeah. comparable on player yeah. profile. It's perfect. <laughs> it's just perfect. Yes, he's the next Tyler Lindenbaum. Exactly. And, that's what he is. You know, when you look at how the Giants built out this roster, one of the things that kind of goes under the radar about roster building, and we haven't touched too much on this yet, but we'll get into it here, because the Eagles and the Cowboys are in a unique situation where when they paid Wentz, when Philly paid Wentz, and then obviously now they're going to pay Jalen, and the Cowboys paid Dak, everybody wants to talk about the guys one, they're two through 24, you know, the, the guys that you that you keep watching every week that are projected starters on your roster and how that impacts them. What really doesn't get talked about is the depth from 25 to 53 that you sometimes lose out on because you've paid big money to quarterback and running back. The Giants haven't had to pay their running back or their quarterback much to this point. So their roster depth because of the players that they've been adding as free agents, the little guys, the guys that you don't, the microtransactions, the one that come across the waiver wire and you're like, why the hell did, did the, the, the Green Bay Packers let this guy go? And, the, and why did the Bears sign Mercedes Lewis? Well, the reason is because at some point you're going to need a third tight end. It doesn't seem important now, but one of your top two tight ends gets hurt. If you want to run two tight end sets and you don't trust your third tight end to be out there, you're handicapped in terms of what you can call. And Dayball's brilliance last year was he said, screw it. We'll do whatever we want with whatever we've got and we'll figure it out. Now he's got legitimate pieces in Waller. It, you know, their, their receiver room is way better than it was last year. It's still it worse, is still worse than, than most than, teams. It's still very, it's still very bad. It's a bad receiver room. Anytime you're starting Isaiah Hodgins <laughs> yeah. and Darius Slayton, and you're hoping, you know, you're 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 banking on Jalen Hyatt, right? A, a, a you know a, a slower than than you would like stretch Z from Tennessee. That you know the third round pick. You know, he looks like an NFL bust, but I understand why they drafted him. I think that Paris Campbell's going to outproduce Jalen Hyatt this year. Paris Campbell was a steal in free agency, getting him for $5 million. And they are only paying Daniel Jones $20 million this year. Now, the cap hit jumps from $21.7 million to $45 million next year. So they know that they can restructure that Daniel Jones contract because they have an out in so 2025. The way that they've built this roster is basically... If you if if anyone out there's watched Pac-12 football, it's kind of the Utah model, which is we're just going to get a bunch of really angry dudes in the trenches 
and play what Nick Saban would refer to as violent murder ball, which is we're going to run right at yeah. you again and again and again, and we're going to dare you to do the same to us because you can't. I mean, they they invested in the outside. They have two of the best tackles in the sport. We could look up and they have the best tackle tandem in and that the matters. NFL. That matters okay, way for, more than yeah. people are considering because of the caliber of edge rushers in this division. I mean, Washington alone, edge rushers galore. And then we know what the Eagles and the Cowboys have at edge rusher. So especially for a guy like Daniel that can move and a guy like Saquon that can find holes where you need him to find holes. If you can just stalemate at tackle these crazy edge rushers that are in this division, you're going to give yourself a puncher's chance. And they did it last year. This team is better than last year's team in basically every discernible way. And last year's team was winning games against teams. They had no business being in competition with and, and if you look no. one year into the future, obviously they're going to be paying Daniel. But this is how you can take a quarterback that might not have value to other teams and maximize their strengths. We think this year, one of the reasons we're both in on Kenny Pickett at ADP is they're going to let him go. No matter what, he's not going to lose his job. Kenny Pickett is going to be put in a position where whatever he can do well, he's going to be asked to do. And he has capability outside of structure to run and pick up a few first downs and run into the end zone a couple of times. All of that has massive, more than a couple, and that has massive fantasy value because if you consider this, the Giants don't want to have to run Daniel Jones as much as they ran him last year, but he's capable of doing it. The Bears don't want to run Justin Fields as much as they ran him last year, but he's capable of doing it. Same with Jalen and the Eagles from... Well, Justin Fields is going to have to do it. Daniel Jones doesn't have to do it because of this offensive line that they've compiled. It's actually incredibly impressive, and it goes to show how well this team does self-scouting where Daniel Jones was an overcooked turkey three years ago, right? It was like, this guy's done in the league. We've given him a chance. He's had a few years. We've evaluated him. He's a total boss. Dave Gettleman, bad pick, right? But when you actually take a step back and you ask the question, has this quarterback received a fair evaluation? The answer is no, because he had no time to throw. They weren't investing in the offensive line. They were drafting a running back in the top five. And when you do that, you can't invest the necessary capital in the offensive line. When the front office turned over and and, and Dave Gettleman was jettisoned, there was a complete 180-degree shift in the mentality. They started doing exactly what I believe you need to do to build a winning franchise from the ground up, and that's from the middle out. They started building it from the middle out. They started with all these investments along the offensive line, and you'll notice they haven't gotten out over their skis with skill position players. They refuse to extend Barkley. Smart. They refuse to overpay for a wide receiver in free agency. Smart. Smart, smart, smart. They know they can sustain drives with that offensive line. And so what are they doing? They're drafting John Michael Schmitz. They're signing Wyatt Davis. They're like, hey, you got this big, hulking, mean, nasty guard, and you want to make him available? We'll, we'll take we'll, him. We'll grab him. You want to make you want to make Darren Waller available? One of the better two-way tight ends in the league? Yeah, absolutely. He's super versatile. He can play at X. He can play in line. He can play in the slot. 
bring him our way. You want to have a, a Paris Campbell, one of the most versatile, explosive playmakers at the wide receiver position available for $5 million? Where are your Huckleberry? Right? And, and you look at the defense. I mean, talk about edge rushers. A lot of the, the best edge rushers are on this team. Kayvon Thibodeau has had a quiet offseason. This is exactly what you wanted from Kayvon Thibodeau. <laughs> Nothing. You want to hear a thing. Right, you just want to hear that he's working hard. Ojalari, Leonard Williams, and then their first round pick was a corner. They addressed a need in the late first round. And in the late first round, one of the best positions where you get the most bang for your buck, one of the best value positions to go for in the late first round is cornerback. And they got Deontay Banks, who fell to them. And it was just, it was, it's just been a clinic in roster construction. And the ability to have success, even if you don't have one of these video game quarterbacks at the helm, if you surround him, especially with one of the best offensive lines in the sport, this team is going to be a winning team. And this team is dangerous. This team is dangerous. All that that is preventing them from winning this division is the, that there's just too many elite playmakers on the Cowboys and on the Eagles, they just can't compete with the playmakers. But if there's injuries, if there's injuries to CeeDee Lamb, if there's an injury to A.J. Brown, right? if there's there's injuries on the offensive line, which happens almost every year, it yep. feels like Dallas has a, a, a litany of injuries along their offensive line. If either the Philadelphia Eagles or the Dallas Cowboys experience significant offensive line injuries or injuries to their skill position players, the Giants are going to come right in and fill that void. If you simulate one of the things we've talked about on here, if you simulate this division eight times in 2023, you don't think the Giants get one? That's what you're bet. That's what you're betting on. Basically, that if we simulated this division eight times, <clears throat> that they win one. And I think they do. I think they do. I think that's the perception of this team and what they did last year is very different than the reality of what they actually did last year, which is they were they won games with one arm tied behind their back, and that that. that Arm two is not fully free yet. It's not like they have, you know, C.D. Lamb out there or Amon Ross St. Brown. Nobody is accusing them of that. But they have more than they had last year. And last year they made it work in a division that is every bit as tough with the same quarterback, with the same running back, with the same head coach and offensive coordinator. Do not be surprised if the New York Giants beat a team that you consider a Super Bowl contender. And don't be surprised if they do it in a manner that you're not expecting. Because the way that they play football, if they get a lead, they can bleed the life out of you. And there aren't a whole lot of teams. The You watched the Eagles do it last year, where they would get a 14-point lead, and you'd see A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard do crazy things. And then they would just bludgeon you to death. And the Giants are now capable of that. Do I think that they're last year's Eagles? No, I don't. But... Injuries are a big part of the sport, and you have to account for that in the number that you hang. And plus 750 is just too much for a team that is right there that can play on the offensive and defensive lines with any of these teams. And that's half the battle in and of itself. Now, I'm not suggesting Daniel Jones is going to go out there and outperform Jalen Hurts. But if a couple of things break his way, he doesn't have to. It's just, again, this division is going to be a war of attrition, and at the end, someone is going to be left standing, and I think more than one out of eight times, it's going to be the Giants. So, 
Daniel Jones is comparable to Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett is comparable to Daniel Jones. These are just similar quarterbacks, similar college resumes, similar physical profiles, similar play styles, right? And Kenny Pickett is 50 to 1 to win the MVP. Daniel Jones on BetMGM, promo code Underworld, Daniel Jones is actually 80 to 1 on BetMGM. It's the best odds you're going to get when you're looking at a book arbitrage, the best MVP odds on Daniel Jones, 80 to 1. Like those are better odds than what they're giving Mac Jones. Right? The <laughs> Those are better odds than what they're giving Matthew Stafford. Certainly, like I said, better than Jordan Love, Kirk Cousins, Kenny Pickett. And he is actually set up for success. And on a team where if the Giants can somehow do this and win this division against the odds, like you said, 7-1, to 8-1, to one, then he is going to win MVP, right? He may not necessarily have the most impressive stat line, but if the team, supported by the team, this incredible offensive line and defensive line, if he is at the helm of this organization that, again, surprises everyone in the NFL and wins this division, that's a good bet. 80 to 1 is good value. 7 to 1 to win the division is good value on the Giants. I, I like betting the Giants in I mean, the future. The, the win market. total market at 7.5 is. To me, an easy over. Like that—that's one of the ones that sticks out to me. As I don't know that you know what you're looking at here, because to have the Eagles at eleven and a half, the Cowboys at nine and a half, the Giants at seven and a half, and the Commanders at six and a half. There's more than a game that separates the Giants roster from Washington's, especially at the positions that matter. But again, really tough division. Everyone's going to be in every game. These teams are not as far apart as that win total market would suggest, but. Someone's got to lose these games, and they're giving Philly and Dallas the benefit of the doubt, as they should. They've done it before, and the other two have not. It, it's uh, it's a tough sell. It's it's not it's not hard to to see a market where the Giants and the Eagles, you know, or the Giants, Cowboys, and Eagles all go to the playoffs again because the NFC just doesn't have the depth elsewhere to really push many of them. Other than if you know, for example the NFC South has a surprise team or the NFC North has a surprise team. But other than that, it's probably going to be a similar grouping of teams to what we had last year. And to watch the Giants win nine games with that roster last year and then go to seven and a half in the win total market, it's just wrong. That's the wrong number. No, they, they got better. How, how man? They got better. And yet they're, the lines only. So I love Giants over seven and a half. It, just to look at the over-under win totals. Giants are 22 to 1 to win the NFC. This is a weak division. That may be my favorite bet of all. I may like that bet even more than just winning the NFC. 22 East. to 1 to win the NFC. They'd have like again, they'd have to have some Just to put it in context, Vikings are 15 to 1, Saints are 12 to 1, Seahawks 12 to 1, Lions are the 8 Saints and a half are 12 to 1. To 1? Yes. Oh my yes. god. Yes, on BetMGM they're 12 to 1. 22 to 1 is really good value. Do I think that it's likely that they do it? No, but Again, we're making bets on is it more likely than the number that you get? I think it's more likely than 22 to 1 that they win the NFC, especially if the Saints are getting 12 to 1. The the Giants are a better team right now than the Saints. At least I think so. Especially given yeah. the youth and their oh, the by, youth by on their roster lot. and kind of how they're going about things. But 
if you were like again, futures markets are about numbers. They're not about teams necessarily, and they're about finding value in odds. There's no value in betting the Saints at twelve to one. There's a lot of value in betting the Giants at twenty-two to one because if they did win the division, that means that two of their obstacles are either out of their way and suffered injury in terms of the, the Cowboys and the Eagles. Those are two of the premier teams in the NFC period. So if they get through their division, the really the major dominoes left for them are the Lions, the Niners, the Seahawks. That's what you're looking at. And I'm not entirely sure what you do with that info, but if they get out of that division as the division winner, which we think is more likely than eight to one, they're going to get a home playoff game against somebody. It's probably either going to be which the, the Seahawks or the Niners, whichever team doesn't win that division. And if they can get through that game, they're basically looking at the other and the Lions. And there's a chance that those two teams have to play each other. This could all come down to the Cowboys and the Eagles fall apart health wise, which has happened to both teams before and may very well happen again. And then you're looking at a path for the Giants where it's very... San Francisco Shanahan, early Shanahan-ish, where they're just going to run the air out of the ball for 45 minutes a game, time of possession. Like if if you remember the the NFC Championship game where I think Garoppolo attempted like f- seven passes or something crazy like that, and they just ran Green Bay out of town. That's the Giants' formula. Can they put it all together to get there? I'm not sure, but there is a path for them to do it. Which is crazy because if we had the same conversation a year ago, it seemed like they were much farther away than they were. And Dayball deserves a lot of credit for a lot of that because Daniel Jones was a known quantity. Fortunately or unfortunately, Daniel Jones was a known quantity and that known quantity was a bust of catastrophic proportions given what else you could have drafted there. And he's resurrected this kid's career and turned him into what we thought he could be coming out. And yeah. This is exactly what he he was projected to be and, and coming out of Duke. We thought that he could be that, but we never thought that it would take three or four years of absolute trial by fire for him to get there. But it it just goes to show you sometimes it's just a coach thing. You know, you you hire the right guy and and somebody you thought nothing of suddenly turns into something. Brian Daybold and Mike Kafka deserve a lot of credit for what's going on there. Yeah, I mean, they, they do play the Eagles in week 16 and week 18. So they're setting up the Giants to, to have this, uh, you know, East Coast, NFC East grudge match late in the season, week 16, week 18. So I'll be tuned in for that for sure. Look at the Washington Commanders. This is a team that is going to be losing a lot. That's They're in division with the Giants and the Eagles and the Cowboys. It's a very problematic schedule, which is part of the reason why the, the futures market is uh, so bearish on Washington. I think I just think it makes sense, right? Uh, their win total is six and a half, and it's, it's hard to find seven wins on this schedule. It's really, really hard, damn near impossible. They are going to be throwing a lot. That is the, the one silver lining for fantasy football is because they're going to be losing so much, they're going to be close to the leader in the NFL in total plays. You go to our draft kit, their total plays are projected to be over a thousand, which is one of the one of the, the highest percentiles uh, among NFL teams. They're just going to have to throw and throw and throw to stay in games. And by the way, you can get a draft kit for life. I'm looking up all this information 
that I talk about on the Decision Point show, when I talk about teams and I talk about their depth charts and I talk about their schedules, I am looking at the team insights from our world-famous draft kit, from the Giants to the Eagles to the Cowboys. It's all right there in front of me. Vacated targets, vacated carries, vacated air yards, strength of schedule information. And that this passing game is clearly an opportunity in fantasy football for value. You look at the ADP on Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, Curtis Samuel in particular, and the running back that's going to catch the most passes. My favorite offensive skill position player on this team, especially at cost in fantasy football, Antonio Gibson. I think that is the focus. If you're going to go with a wild card underdog to win this division, to make a run, I think it's the Giants. I don't think it's Washington. I think they uh, are not nearly as well constructed as New York. It's likely a stay away looking at a lot of these different futures bets. If anything, I would go under because I think it's going to be one of those uh, situations where it eventually falls to Jacoby Brissett. They're going to be airing it out a lot, but they're going to be losing a lot. I mean, look at the schedule. They do, they do they get the Cardinals, right? But they cross against the AFC East. The AFC East is one of the strongest divisions in the NFL. And then after they face the Cardinals, it just becomes completely brutal where they're at the Broncos, they get Buffalo, they get Philadelphia, and then on down the board, there are very few easy matchups. They close it out at the Jets. San Francisco that's, and Dallas. That's <laughs> just to put it tough, it's just not good, man. It's not good. I'm seeing I'm seeing Cardinals with Colt McCoy. There's a win for Washington. Certainly they're gonna win a couple games in the NFC East. And then it's very difficult to find the, a win. The funniest part to me about all this, you know, like you, you rattle off schedule stuff and you just think to yourself, what is the what is the game total gonna be in Commander's Pats? Like, just that's gonna be just oh, a miserable be, oh. experience for for everyone involved. Uh, the the funny thing is, Washington because they're such an inefficient offense, they're near the top in total rush attempts, pass attempts, total plays, but they're below average in total touchdowns. Oh. <laughs> so it's gonna be a lot of between the twenties action. And I think that's why you see Jahan Dotson's ADP rising because you see there's going to be a lot of volume there and a lot of catches in PPR leagues for underneath receivers like Samuel, like Dotson. And Terry McLaurin is one of the great talents at wide receiver who will forever be one of those what if wide receivers. What if you had a quarterback at some point? So I, I think their offensive skill position players are fun. Antonio Gibson is fun. But they don't have the offensive line. That's the big difference. When it's Andrew Norwell and Charles Leno, Nick Gates, Samuel Cosme, Chris Paul, this is not what the Giants have. It's not what the Eagles have. It's not what the Cowboys have. Their defense isn't as good either. They have they have one of the least formidable secondaries. They got Kendall Fuller, Emmanuel Forbes, Derek Forrest. It's not, it's this is not a team. And especially a defense that anyone is worried about, and it's it's just very difficult to see how they win seven games. The the question and baked into that number is: Do we get anything out of Sam? Because we've seen similar guys with similar profile that 
have made it work for a season or two. And the question is, is he something or is he just another de facto nameless, faceless quarterback that is taking snaps for a franchise and therefore has some super flex value? Or is he capable of something more? Draft capital has a lot to do with that, obviously. You know, Brock Purdy aside, it's very rare that you get late round quarterbacks that really splash and do things. They're going to give him a shot. And that's all you can really ask for, for the, the prices that Sam Howell is going for. Um, there it's, it's very Desmond Ritter ish, but I think he's even cheaper than Desmond Ritter at this point. Cause I think people have some idea of what Ritter can be. Howell is, if nothing else has some tools and he's going to have weapons. Like the fact that he, he has mobility is going to help him because he's going to be Ron Rivera like, continues to talk good. about Jacoby Brissett. And I wonder why that is. I don't know. I don't know why no, no, I, why? I, I, I don't think he would be Why? mentioning Jacoby Brissett's name as much if he were loving what he was seeing from Sam Howell. I think Sam Howell fell to the fifth round of that, the NFL draft, that, even though he has some true. speed, right? He runs a 4-7. The guy ran for almost 1,000 yards in his final year in college. I mean, look at this, 828 rushing yards at North Carolina. Yeah, and in his first that's year, it's really impressive. I mean, like 30, that's, that's, his best year was at North Carolina, where he looked like a first round pick. Like, okay, this guy's 38 touchdowns, seven interceptions as a redshirt freshman. What? Right? That's crazy. And then he got, yeah. and he just regressed yeah, yeah. and regressed year over year. Why? I don't know. I think the weapons around him were worse, but they're. There has been a glimmer of hope on his college resume, especially if you if you wind the clock back, that this kid can play and he can run around and he can make plays like yeah, there's you know, like Taylor Heineke did right. It's it's he's it is very much a, a Taylor Heineke meets Baker Mayfield vibe with Sam Howell in a good way. In mm-hmm. a I'm going to run around and make plays way, not yeah. Daniel Jones, Kenny Pickett level, but. You could see he's a lesser than, and certainly not Desmond Ritter. Desmond Ritter has real speed. Desmond Ritter's a real rushing quarterback, a bona fide. No, that, that's not Sam Howell. I don't think Sam Howell is going to be running the ball as much as Pickett and Jones, but he is going to be scrambling. There is sneaky super flex value with Howell and with Brissett because over the course of the season, because the offensive line is below average, like what happened to Daniel Jones early in his career, he wasn't able to play a full season a lot of times, right? And and the coaches got frustrated and they just wanted yeah. to throw other bodies out there and see what happens. And that's what's going to happen. They're going to end up throwing Brissett out there at the, some point. The, so you're going to want to have both those guys on your super flex two QB rosters ugly. as the season ugly, goes along ugly. at some point. But Howell is the guy that I would roster first i think they need to see what he can do i think they're going to open the season with him in the st- as the starter he was impressive at the senior bowl i think all these guys ritter pickett howell were all similarly competent at the senior bowl as opposed to this year this past year which was the worst quarterback year the year prior was a great year because all these mid-round quarterback picks practiced the whole week at the senior bowl so it was, it was a great year to be there Especially for the wide receivers, it was a great gift to have you know good quarterbacks you know rotating through constantly. So I'm excited to see Sam Howell. I want to see what he can do. It's it's wide open for him. He does have one of the better wide receiver trios in the NFL, and it's so it's it's fun. They all they can win in all quadrants. Yeah. You got 
Samuel close to the line of scrimmage. You got Dotson in the intermediate routes. You got McLaurin with, with that deep separation. And, you know, Logan Thomas is back, right? And, and Lo- Logan Thomas is athletic. Yeah. And, and he's going to be, I think, fully healthy finally uh, after a lost season. So we'll see what happens with the offense. There, I get there's sneaky volume here. Otherwise, in the futures markets, I think I'm going under. I'm just going to keep pushing it down. They can't push the number low enough. I, I think the, they're going to probably pop in a game or two where you can see what Howell might be if he could ever, you know, instead of it being lightning in a bottle, if he could ever consistently do that stuff down to down. A lot of the love for Brock Purdy is he just did the stuff simply that Garoppolo didn't, which is you don't even have to complete deep balls. But you have to throw them. There has to be some vertical threat to your offense. And Garoppolo just wouldn't do it. It's not It's not that they weren't there. It's not that, that he was misfiring on them. He just didn't do it. So there is some value here in terms of Washington's pass catchers. Just in the fact that Sam Howell will let it go. This is not your, you know, close to the line of scrimmage. You know, we're going to run quick outs with, you know, Amendola and Welker from the past from years ago. They will let a couple go a game. And when you have a deep ball tracker like McLaurin that really can get behind somebody and make those actually count. Oh, not this, just is this is a good aerials. case for McLaurin. I love like, McLaurin. I'm always looking for a, an opportunity to draft McLaurin. They're, they're not wasted air yards when you have someone that can separate vertically like he can. Like, it, there are some guys that just track a deep ball better than others, and Howell's willing to let it go. Like it's it's not necessarily that that Terry's going to have the most efficient season that he's ever had, but especially in a format like best ball, he's going to have a couple weeks where Sam lets two deep ones go, and he comes down with one or both of them. You could easily look at a game where he has five or six catches for 110, 120 yards and two scores. That's the kind of week that you need in a best ball format to make a wide receiver pick in that range valuable, he's going to have a couple of those this year. And all you have to do is hope that Howell keeps starting at quarterback as opposed to Brissett, because we know Jacoby. We know he he's a very solid short to intermediate area quarterback. He just doesn't have he, he's not he's not going to let 45 yard shots go four or five times a game in the way that Howell's going to try to. God bless him. If they work out, they work out. If they don't, they don't. But again, part of it is you just have to be willing to try that. And to this point, no, I the know. quarterback in but Washington has McLaurin not. McLaurin does have the air yards. I mean, every year he's putting up 1,300-plus air yards. He set a career high in receiving yards last year. He was great. McLaurin's underrated. He's a great pick in the fifth round. I love pushing the button on him in the fifth round. Just keep pushing, running back out, running back out, knowing you can get Rashad White even later, Cam Akers even later. I prefer at cost, I prefer McLaurin in the fifth round to Dotson at the 7-8 turn. I agree. I agree because Dotson is going to require a quarterback that he wasn't efficient last year. He had a couple wild plays whereas with with Yak, but he wasn't even a good Yak player last year. Look at his a yak per target on player profiler, middle of the the receiver group of all qualified receivers. He's right there, middling efficiency stats across the board. So John Dotson wasn't as dynamic as the the narratives will tell it. And McLaurin was McLaurin every yeah. year is more dynamic. Fun prospect though. Than most of the sports and fantasy narratives you hear. He, the the thing is, Terry runs the full route tree, which most receivers in round five and beyond that you're going to get 
aren't going to get targets on slants, on bubble screens, on goes, on deep posts, on corners. He's going to get targets from everywhere. Like there, there are very few receivers that you can get round five and beyond that are playing a true outside role that can run any route in the tree and beat almost any DB. Now, I'm not saying that I'd love Terry against, you know, Jalen Ramsey's of the world or Sauce Gardner's of the world. There is some matchup dependence there, and that also has to do with quarterback. You know, they're not going to throw to Terry against Sauce Gardner if, you know, Jacoby Brissett is your quarterback. At it's just not going to happen. Fantasy Mansion on Twitter. At there Fantasy Mansion on Twitter. I often do boom and bust. I do a boom and bust tweet, and this is an easy one. I'm going to go boom. I'm going to type in boom, Terry McLaurin. And bust Jahan Dotson. Oh, that's gonna that's gonna trigger people. That's gonna trigger. That's people gonna trigger. <laughs> that's gonna trigger. And we can talk about the two most exciting teams in the NFC after this. Let's take a moment to talk about underdog fantasy. Now, many of you have already signed up, thousands have signed up from player profile already over the years. Underdog has supported us since 2020. Much of what you see on Player Profiler is because of Underdog, because of their support. Get the Underdog app, plug in that promo code UNDERWORLD, and they're making the NBA fun. Their NBA pickums? It's changed my Wednesday night. It's changed my Sunday afternoon. I used to play Underdog just for the best ball drafts. I mean, the best ball drafts are amazing. These draft rooms fill so quickly, and you can win life-changing money. You want to take advantage of all the sleepers we talk about on this show? Well... What better place than in an underdog draft room to do that? And I recommend taking your underdog play to the next level by diving into their NFL pickems. It's important to correlate those NFL pickems. You can pick both the quarterbacks and the wide receivers to exceed expectations. Correlate them, and you can 5X your payout. Bada-bing, bada-boom. Underdog Fantasy, the promo code is UNDERWORLD. For an instant deposit match up to $100, underdog is the truest friend of the underworld. Cowboys, go. What more do you want? I mean, the, the, this this team is loaded everywhere. Last year, we talked about the Eagles as the team that found the, the holes that they wanted to address and plugged them. Dallas did the exact same thing. Find me a spot on this roster where you're like, ah, we don't really love that player. Their wide receiver three is Michael Gallup. Three. It's a big difference. Brandon Cooks is there. We know what C.D. Lamb is. Dak Prescott is one of the most consistent quarterbacks you will ever find. You're never going to get, he's never going to get too hot or too cold. You're never going to get a terrible day, like a really God awful day from him or, you know, a Mahomes day from him, but you know what he is. And that may be the most valuable quantity outside of having a super elite quarterback is a guy that you know exactly what you're going to get from the, the defense. Oh yeah. oh yeah. Total pass TDs, total pass TDs projected for the Dallas Cowboys this year, 32. That's near the top of the league because they're projected to run 1,087 plays. There's going to be a lot of plays run. The NFC East is going to be the highest scoring division in the NFC, and Dak Prescott is undervalued. I talked about him on the Mind of Mansion show, how I love the backdoor stack on Underdog. We just talked about Underdog. Loving the backdoor stack of Brandon Cooks, and you come right back to Dak Prescott with Brandon Cooks. That, to me, is just, I mean, they did the thing. They found, okay, number two receiver, we're weak. Let's strengthen that, right? Tight end, we're weak, right? Dalton Schultz, back-to-back plays. He's not getting uh, forward momentum. 
to keep the clock running. And he's then 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 they need to get out of bounds. Well, he 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 doesn't drag his foot right on his way out of bounds. So it's like incomplete, right? So he was incompetent when they needed him most. So they said, you know what? We're gonna we're just gonna turn the whole thing over. We're gonna bring in Schoonmaker. We're gonna roll out Jake Ferguson. Whatever, right? We're throwing the ball to Lamb and Cooks. That's what we're doing. Lamb, Cooks, Pollard. It's consolidated. It's similar to the Chargers. Right? There's a lot of similarities between the Chargers and the Cowboys in that you've got Allen, Williams, Eckler, and Tony Pollard is this year's Austin Eckler. It just all makes sense. It all makes sense. So I love this passing game. I love stacking Pollard, Lamb, and Cooks because it's consolidated and because there's a lot of volume and there's going to be a lot of passing touchdowns. This is where you want to invest in fantasy football. The problem for the Cowboys is that their offensive line is fragile. They're still relying on the same guys they've been relying upon year over year. They're still relying on Tyron Smith and Zach Martin. And yes, they brought in some new players, Terrence Steele, Tyler Biadas. Biadish. Biadish! Right. Thank you. Thank you for the help on that. And that's their Achilles heel. There's going to be injuries again on the offensive line. They don't have the depth that the Giants do, for example. And when you look at the schedule, when you understand this is a fragile offensive line, and then you look at the schedule, the schedule makers did them no favors. Right, they did them no favors. So if you have a like a dark horse team like the Giants in the NFC East, well, they're playing dark horse teams, right? No, they didn't win the NFC East last year, but they were rewarded by playing the Detroit Lions because Detroit didn't win the NFC North, right? The same thing with the Carolina Panthers. Carolina Panthers didn't win the NFC South, but the Carolina Panthers are teed up to win the NFC South this year. We think they're a better team overall, front to back, top to bottom, than the New Orleans Saints. And on the schedule, the Cowboys just happen to have to play all of these teams. It was just very bad luck. When I go down this this board, I'm like, ah, oh, the, the NFC North team they have to play is the, the Lions. That's brutal. Panthers, that's a brutal game. At Carolina is brutal. You don't want to be at Carolina. The one team that they know they can beat is at Arizona early in the season. And then the rest of it is just 49ers, Chargers, Eagles, Giants, Panthers, Seahawks, Eagles. It's brutal. That's a really It's goddamn tough brutal. Yeah, and then they're at Buffalo, right? Then they're at Miami the next week. It's it's, it's That Cowboys schedule is impossibly. It, it, it's impossible. It looks like an SEC West schedule. I mean, it's bad, bad. Uh I don't like it. And for that reason, I can't go over nine and a half. That's the right it, number. Their win total. It's the right number. That is the right number. It feels low, but I'm not. I'm staying away yeah. from that. If anything, I'm not touching nine and a half. Because they have a better roster than their win total suggests, it feels like an over. But actually, I think because of the fragility of their offensive line and because of the, the, the brutality of their schedule, if I had to pick, I would go under. But. They're better than that. They're better than a nine and a half win team. So you just got to stay the hell away. You stay all the way away from this. There's not much I like in the futures market except Dak 16 to one to win MVP. That's an absolute fair. That's the same as Tua. That's the same as Trevor Lawrence. That's the same as Aaron Rodgers. I think Dak Prescott's just a better quarterback than those guys. 
So that's an interesting bet, but that's That's about it. The thing is the thing is the Cowboys are fully capable of winning the NFC. The problem is they're probably going to get so beat up through that schedule. They're not a team you want to see in the playoffs at all. If they get any kind of rest, that is not a team that you want to see in the playoffs. Like off their bye week, they're going to clobber somebody. Who are they who do they play immediately after their bye week? Coming out of their bye week, they play the Rams. They're going to clobber the Rams at home. Oh, it's going to be that's going to be bad. That's going to be ugly, ugly, ugly. Yeah. That that's that's that game's going to get way out I mean, of 231 uh, vacated carries, 1600 plus vacated air yards. This is this is an interesting team, man, for fantasy football. I like it. I also think that if their defense does not get the turnover luck that they've gotten in recent history, which is likely they're going to see a reversion to the mean with the turnovers, their offensive line fragility is a known problem. If these things all play out the way we believe they will and that they 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 are beat up and bruised and uh, you know kind of you know having to having a rope dope during the season, that just means that they're going to have to throw more and more volume for Dak, more volume for Lamb, more volume for Cooks. It's funny to hear Mike McCarthy talk about how they need to run the ball when all their roster moves betray that notion. This is clearly a team that has decided they are going to be an up-tempo offense first franchise, which is the, the best way to win football games is to turn up the pass volume. And they're doing that. Their pace of play has been top five in the NFL the last two seasons, and it's going to be again. The big problem that they have is that they just endured one of the worst drafts by an NFL team. They used their first round pick on an interior defensive tackle. They reached on a tight end they could have had in the fourth round in Luke Schoonemaker. They took an inside backer in round three. So they've squandered all their day one and day two picks. They had a couple nice picks, you know, later with the Seam Richards and Eric Scott in round five and six. These are like sleepers. They 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 burned a pick on Deuce Vaughn, just lit it on fire because his dad's the running back coach. So I was I was embarrassed by their draft. Jalen Brooks, wide receiver uh, in, in the seventh round. Who the hell is that? Right. So where these other teams are doing all the right things in the draft. Look at how the Eagles helped themselves in the NFL draft. Look at how the Giants, we talked about it, the Giants just going chalk picks, just going best available corner. We're going to go with a center from Minnesota. They're just going to do all the right things. The Cowboys had been drafting well until this past this past draft. They just whiffed. And so if you're already thin at some key positions, the fact that they didn't go all in on the offensive line, like with Schoonemaker, for example. Why are you drafting a tight end? They should have gone offensive line there. Mazzy Smith, there, there was there, it was a great offensive line, talent still on the board, late first round. They could have made some moves and they failed. They just kind of they kind of let the draft come to them and the guys they selected were the wrong positions at the wrong slot. Like you don't burn a first round pick on an interior defensive lineman. You just don't do it. And you don't draft a sleeper tight end in the late second round. That's not, no, no, man, no, 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 no. So they drafted a bunch of guys that you would typically target on day three, on day one and two. 
And I think it's going to hurt them, man. They also weren't that active in free agency. It's going to bring in Ronald Jones. I mean, a, a dusty uh, Stephon Gilmore. We'll see how it goes with Stephon Gilmore. They, they, they. He could. I, th- I still think. There's I think something there's there. something that they that was. A, I thought that was a good signing. Brandon Cooks was a great signing. I think so too. So they had a couple good signings, but they lost a lot more guys than they signed. It was. It's just. It, they're setting themselves up where a few injuries could really lay this team low. Yeah, and and the thing is, De- they're asking Dak to shoulder so much of the and the best teams in the league, which Dallas is among them, try to help their quarterbacks. Dallas is just putting more and more on him. And as much as I love Dak, he's not Pat. He's not Burrow. He's not Josh Allen. You can't ask him to do everything all the time to keep your offense on time and in rhythm. This just feels like a team that will probably finish 10 and 7, 9 and 8. That's going to put the scare of God in a really good team like the Niners or the Eagles or the Lions or maybe even the Seahawks in the playoffs just because if their roster is together, like if if they make it through the regular season relatively unscathed at important positions, this team is terrifying. Their schedule is just brutal and they didn't do themselves any favors with the depth that they acquired in the draft this year to potentially help themselves if they do have the injuries that every team sustains. It's just a matter of luck where those injuries come from. And there are a couple of positions that they can afford to have injuries at, but there aren't a lot. So it's it's very similar to uh, a couple of the Saints builds, a couple of the Vikings builds, a couple of the Rams builds, where really good team across the board, but very fragile at certain positions that you can't really afford to be super fragile at. So you're just praying to God on every snap. Okay. The tackles don't get hurt. The guards don't get hurt. Edge rushers don't get hurt. None of, neither of the corners get hurt everywhere else. Everywhere else team is solid. It's just, again, the, the difference between the Cowboys and the Eagles is at their peak. The Cowboys are competitive with the Eagles. But if you go down the roster, if the Eagles have significant injuries, they've still got dudes. Oh, dude. L- l- let's talk about the Eagles. The Eagles are amazing. Like they their draft was incredible. They moved around. They got Jalen Carter and Nolan Smith from Georgia, which is not possible. <laughs> it's not possible. Arguably, arguably the two best defensive players in the draft. They got them. Crazy, which is just crazy. And then Sidney Brown. Safety. If you want to draft a safety, early third round is the best time to draft a safety. Perfect. Perfect. Just perfect. Even Tyler. I love Tyler Steen. Right. I love. I love getting a an Alabama 6'6", 320 pound offensive lineman who's probably going to move inside and play guard. I mean, you 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 you've got to love that. Right. He's he was the number five ranked athlete in the offensive line class. Number five out of thirty nine. Right, so he's explosive, he's agile, especially given his size. How he fell to the third round, I don't know, but they were just like, you know, chalk, 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 chalk. That's what that's what they did in the draft, and so their draft versus the Cowboys draft was an incredible juxtaposition in a team that aced it versus a team that blew it, and yeah, and, and they actually got better schedule luck, right? Because who do they play from the NFC South? Tampa Bay. Right? Who do they play? The North, they play the Vikings. Yeah, the NFC North, they actually play the Vikings. So you could argue that they are have the easier schedule than the Cowboys because they finished first instead of second. And the fun part for them is 
They have O-line depth. They have D-line depth. There is depth at corner. They're not worried about stuff. The, the, the build of the Eagles is much less fragile than the build of the Cowboys. And so they don't have to ask Jalen Hurts to do what he did in the Super Bowl every year. No. To win games. They, they, they don't ask their quarterback to play Superman until he has to. That's what you want. You want a guy that's capable of putting on the cape when you need him. Not a guy that has to do it every single week. And we saw this with Lawrence year one and Justin Fields last year. If you ask them to too early to put on Superman's cape and try to carry your offense by themselves, they learn bad habits that take time to unlearn. Philly never asked Jalen to do any of that. They were like, dude, go out there. If you feel comfortable running the ball, run the ball in year one and two. If you feel comfortable throwing certain routes, do it. We're not going to ask you to do anything that we don't think you can do. And now that he's developed into the kind of player that he is, where he can do everything, they still don't ask him to do everything, which is awesome. There's a solid run game. That offensive line is good. We know what A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith are. Dallas Goddard is a premium tight end in this league. It's up and down the board, there man. No is that, there, there, there's no it, holes. This, is, this, team, yeah, this, this team is a Super Bowl roster. team. They're going to win the Super Bowl. They're going to start 8-0, okay? You think they're going to start 8-0? Look at the schedule. At the Patriots, Vikings, Buccaneers, Commanders, Rams, Jets, Miami at home, and then Commanders. Miami's. Oh, that's yeah, game's going to be. That's awesome. a home game, though. That, I, that's we, a home we, game. So it's a clear path to 8 0. And at that point, Jalen Hurts is going to be the favorite to an MVP. So my favorite futures bet by far for the Eagles because you know, taking the Eagles at 3 to 1 to be the NFC champion is just not good value. Minus no, 115 to win the NFC East, that's not good value. The only good value on the board is Hurts 12 to 1. 12 to 1. Where Herbert, Allen, Burrow, Mahomes, their odds are all lower. The payouts, you know, on Mahomes in particular is half of the payout on Hertz. Hertz is twelve to one. Mahomes is six to one. Did everybody forget that had he not gotten Hertz last year, he would have won it? Right. Did everybody? And, and Mahomes did, won did, it last year. He can't win it this year, or he's very unlikely to win yeah, it this th- year. So those should be flipped. The difficulty in winning back-to-back MVPs would think Mahomes. Odds would be at least below Burrow, right? Yeah. And more but, in I mean, line and, with Hertz, but they're not. Hertz is literally twice the payout. It's crazy. If we sit, again, run, run the exact same test that we've been running the entire time that we've done this show. If we simulate the NFL season 12 times, does Jalen Hurts win MVP more than once? Yes. Of course. Of yes. course. Run the Sims. Run this. This is nuts to me. That this is that this is where we would end up. Like this is the clear cut best bet, right? I I love the value again. The value bet on the Giants to win the NFC is great, right? But in terms and of like the the, yeah. the 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 bet that's in the center of the Venn diagram of like value and probabilities, it's like give me this freaking hurts twelve to one to an MVP. Oh my God! Because the team, man, it's not necessarily about him. It's the team. It's the schedule. The schedule. Now it gets brutal after they play the Commanders. It's the Cowboys, Chiefs, Bills, 49ers, Cowboys. All right, but then they finish Giants, Cardinals, Giants. So they had this this zone in the middle of their schedule, which is just an impossible gauntlet. But they're the Eagles. And they have the Here's depth, the and they have the explosive playmakers. They've got everything. They're bringing in Hassan Reddick. What a great signing that was, 
from Arizona that bringing over Darius Slade. That was a great signing. James Bradbury from the Giants. You up and down the board, and they inject all this talent. Oh my, Jalen Carter. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that mu- it must be nice to be able to bring that guy in. Nolan Smith must be nice. Tyler Steen must be nice. Must be nice. Then they're bringing in Terrell Edmonds, a quality safety, and Justin Evans. So they invested in the safety position in the draft and in free agency, which they knew was a, a known weakness. And they're they're taking these corners that were first round corners off the scrap heap. They did it again this year with Greedy Williams. Here's the other one that I think at some point discussed MVP narrative award we know that and that's why we don't think they're going to give it to Mahomes I mean, it's not that he he doesn't deserve it I, we just don't think that it's likely that they give it to him again it's very rare that anybody goes back to back here's the fun they're going to get a game against Kansas City Ooh. and if the Eagles win that game the narrative is going to be Jalen has climbed the mountain that he didn't climb last year as opposed to the Eagles beat the Chiefs that is week 11 be what- week 11 on the NFL schedule week 11 Philadelphia is Kansas City. If they win that game, you can lock it up. You, you you can walk on down there and hand them the trophy right now because we're hearing this is not breaking news by any that's made this rounds the last 24 hours. Jamar Chase wants Burrow to sit out a couple. We know what Josh Allen is lacking at wide receiver too. The numbers may not be there, even though the, the bills are leaking talent. The bills are on the backside of their window. So it may come down to, very simply, Jalen versus Pat. And in that battle of Jalen versus Pat, do I think it's twice as likely that the Chiefs beat Eagles? Because whoever wins that game, there's going to be a whole lot of stories written about it. And again, the MVP award is an AP award that's given out. There are people that vote on it. And the people that vote on it are writing columns every single week about what happens in the NFL. Every single eyeball that covers football will be on that game, Eagles at Chiefs, in primetime, no question, and whatever team wins that out, there's going to be some epic game that's played. I hope it's as good as we think it can be, but whoever wins that game is going to be the front runner to win MVP at that point, and if you're giving me double the odds on one over the other, that's one of the best bets you'll see all year. Hey, I want to take a moment to thank you for tuning in. It's important to me that all of our media be free. This is only possible because of you allowing a true independent sports media enterprise to thrive unlike any other in the business. So please subscribe to the All In Package to continue to make all this possible to ensure that all of our stats, information, data, content is available to you, especially you, the people that get the site and get the show. One of the most versatile, explosive playmakers at the wide receiver position available for $5 million? Where are your Huckleberry? A knife fight all the way to the end. The brutality of their schedule. If I had to pick, I would go under. But they're they're better than that. They're better than a 9.5 win team. So you just got to stay the hell away. 
you could argue that they are have the easier schedule than the Cowboys because they finished first instead of second. Literally twice the payout. It's crazy. They're going to start 8-0. Walk on down there and hand them the trophy right now. Cowboys, go. What more do you want? Where are your huckleberry?